Today is often referred to as Bible Sunday, particularly because of the beautiful collect or prayer from Archbishop Cranmer's pen. This is, a lot of people have this as their favorite collect. It's one of mine. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. What a gorgeous, gorgeous prayer. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. And that comes from scriptural allusions to, um, I can't remember the exact reference, one of the prophets sees the scrolls, writes the scrolls, and then there's this vision of eating the scrolls. There's this idea of consuming the word, that it would become part of us, that it would feed us. And this is in conjunction with the promises from Holy Scripture that God will work by His Word. His Word does not come back void. It is powerful. His Word is a sword to separate, right? Truth from falseness. His Word is guaranteed like the sacraments by His Holy Spirit to be effectual in our lives. By the way, one of the disciplines, it is Advent, I can talk about spiritual disciplines, right? Um, One of the disciplines that I grew up with that I don't know that my um, upbringing in the church context ever, ever called it a discipline, but they made it a discipline in my life, is scripture memory. And when I'm doing spiritual direction, it is not unusual for me to direct scripture memory as part of not just one's penance, but discipline and moving forward in one's life. Um, One of the ones I learned from Psalm 119, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee, right? Father Krauss suggests that the real emphasis of today's lessons, however, is on the indwelling word in our soul, not just what we hear, not just what we speak in church, but for that to be, yes, digested, but to actually dwell in our soul, We remember that in Advent we look back to the Incarnation and prepare ourselves to celebrate the Incarnation yet once more. So it is a memory of the the Incarnation that happened in history, and yet in our cycle of worship it is an anticipation of worshiping God and thanking God and praising God and celebrating the Incarnation at Christmas. So it's a a look back and a lack forward. It's an anticipation still. We also look forward to the second advent of Christ when he comes to judge. And yes, that can be and should be a little awe-inspiring and fearful in a proper sense. In other words, we ought not to go about our life willy-nilly whatever, let's just do this, do that, do the other, we should always have in our heart and minds that the second advent of Christ is on its way. And we are to be living in such a way that we will be prepared when the Master cometh, right? But the third place of coming 
argues Krauss, is what we're focusing on in Advent. Particularly the current Advents that we go forward. Because the first one's already happened. Yes, we celebrate it. The second one's still to come. So the third Advent that we have to focus on during our lifetime, more than likely, is the Advent of Christ coming to our souls, coming to our hearts, coming to us. Our gospel lesson often seems strange to us at this time of the year. It is of the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. Jesus prophesies it and then says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. How Lindsay missed that uh, sentence apparently in Scripture, and so did the Left Behind authors and all this you know, dispensational rage of the last 150, 170 years. Um, but the church prior to, say, 1850 really had no concept of this um, dispensational eschatology uh, and um, uh, uh, the, the book series Left Behind. Amazingly enough, considering all that rage of what we've... There was actually a time when I thought, well, maybe this is ending, and then the Left Behind series started to be published. I went, oh, no. Um, Considering all of this chaos in uh, the last hundred-plus years, Jerusalem and the temple were actually destroyed within the generation of the people that Jesus was talking to. Jesus notes that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Some of those hearing Jesus speak this prophecy did indeed hear it come true, saw it come true. But even at the end of the age, even after the passing away of all the things that we know and understand as they are, when the new heavens and the new earth come, the word of God will remain. In fact, the word of God is part of the bringing in of the new heavens and the new earth. Now imagine all your hopes and dreams. Imagine what you want to accomplish in the next season of your life, whatever it is, uh, whatever season it is. Imagine the possibilities of your children and your grandchildren. Now imagine that they are all going to perish. They're going to be wiped out. Imagine being a Jewish citizen of Europe, say, of Poland or of France in the year 1935. And imagine all the dreams that you might have just as you might have them now if you lived here in America today. And now imagine what it would be like to be that Jewish person in Poland, say, and see the rise of Hitler's Nazi party as they start to then take over Germany and Poland and start to take over Europe all your dreams would look like ashes. I mean, if you've talked with people that went through the Holocaust or now children of people that went through the Holocaust, you can get a sense of just the despair and the, like you have ashes in your mouth of these people. The point is that in one sense, We're always without hope when we dream only on our own. When we hope only in our dreams and our abilities. Worldly hopes can and often do get devastated. 
We must replace our worldly hopes with the hope of Christ in glory. We must inculcate the hope of Christ and the promises of the gospel into our hopes and dreams that we might have as individuals for us, for our children, our grandchildren. There's nothing wrong with having hopes and dreams, but if we don't support them with the foundation of Christ, they can all go awry pretty quickly, and then where are we? So often in our Christian lives, we realize that Christ is the foundation, and we hope for this. And if that doesn't materialize, we can rest on what we're standing on. We can say, okay, God. So something else you have for this situation, this person, this time, this whatever it is. And we can trust in God and we cannot be devastated, maybe disappointed. In some ways, maybe even tearing up. I've got some friends that have different makeups than me, let's put it that way. And they don't hope over much in certain things because they've learned that they can be disappointed and they don't like disappointment. And I get that. I've got a little bit of a different makeup and I hope for the best and recognize that, eh, it may not happen. <laughs> so we're all a little bit different in how we approach this, but, but if I hope for the best or if, if I hope for a little... It's got to be founded on Christ. It's got to be founded on the promises of Scripture for our lives. Um, My dear friend, Alison Steinberg, just to give you a flavor of what she thinks, I think her phrase is pathologically optimistic about me. So when we hope in Christ in glory... I don't think, well, I don't mean just thinking about the glory to come and putting our hopes in that reality of Christ's second advent and putting the world to rights. As good as that hope is and as much as we should continue to kindle that hope in our lives. This hope I'm speaking of is to be an ever-present hope in the coming of Christ to us here and now, today. And he comes to us through word, and he comes to us through sacrament. The word, the indwelling Logos himself, comes to us throughout our lives. Every moment has a kind of finality to it. Every moment passes and it's gone. At every moment, God's coming to our souls places us under the judgment of God's word. And there's that finality of, hmm, messed that up, didn't I? Didn't choose Jesus there, did I? Our jobs in each of these every moments is to live the life of Christ under that judgment. In the chaos and the destruction of this world, in the COVID chaos, in the chaos and failings of our own lives, the sin that we so easily commit, our redemption draws near. Always. Each and every day. When Christ comes to us in word and sacrament, what's the first thing we need to do before we come to the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ? 
we need to confess. Because God's going to come to us. And he has already in his word come to us when we realize, yes, that was sin. Oh, so was that. Oh, so was that. In fact, the list goes on, doesn't it? But the other side of that coin is then we come to Christ being purified by Christ, his, his crucifixion, his passion for us, vindicated in his resurrection, and we are then fed. Our redemption draws near in our feeding. Christ saves us again, if you will, because there's this constant repeat of our need for God's grace, and therefore a constant repeat of getting God's grace, of being given God's grace each and every day. In our insufficiency in this world now, we're not sufficient for what we need to do to live God's life that he calls us to live. So in our insufficiency in this world, now our God comes to us and in power and in glory. The earthly things are passing and the hopes and dreams of men can easily fade away, but the indwelling word of God in our souls is eternal. Our epistle lesson encourages us to live life in this hope of God in us. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, says St. Paul, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The next section in our epistle is all about the praise of God, even amongst the Gentiles, for there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. The root of Jesse is Christ. The Jesse tree on the back wall, up on the staircase, take a look at it. Jesse's sleeping at the bottom, and a tree is coming out of it, and at the top is Christ. Because of the indwelling word, each of us as individual persons of Christ's church and indeed our whole church community with the church of all ages should abound in the hope of Christ, the hope of Christ in us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen.